Blog Talk Radio. It's Monday night at 10 o'clock, and that means it's the new episode of Graphic Policy Radio, the show that mixes comic books and politics. This is the show that, for folks that wonders how uh, Kandak would react to the current Israeli-Palestinian initiations that are going on, I'm your host, Brett, and I'm flying solo this evening for what's likely to be an abbreviated and disjointed show. So, I apologize, first off, for last week's technical difficulties. We did find out it was not our fault. Uh, Blog Talk Radio, who is our host, um, who's been awesome for whatever the 50 shows that we've done, uh, was having some technical issues, and unfortunately, we kind of got nipped by that. So... Uh, shit happens, and we persevere. So uh, we were going to talk about some of the stuff that we were going to um, from last week that we didn't get to. So I'm going to go solo about that, about my experience at San Diego Comic Con, and I might have some folks join me from Peanut Gallery who are uh, milling around Graphic Policy headquarters. Um, but I also want to hear from you for folks who. We're at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, we're live, so you can give us a call at 619-768-2952. We want to hear from you about what you think about the announcements, um, all the stuff that people were discussing, the movies, the comics, what little comic announcements there were, uh, video games, whatever. Um, saw a hell of a lot while I was there, so uh, I could probably discuss a good chunk of stuff. Uh, again, the number six one seven or six one nine seven six eight two nine five two, and we want to hear from you. So, uh, first up, um, I want to talk about the the good stuff that was uh, going on at San Diego Comic Con, um, particularly about the Blank Page Project, which uh, was hosted by Comicsology, who is the dominant force in um, digital comics. Um, they did a fundraising uh, effort for the Hero Initiative. The Hero Initiative is a nonprofit that raises funds for comic book creators who don't have health insurance, so folks who were from the 70s, 80s, 60s, so on, um, that probably had a little bit of raw deals and are up there in their age or hitting uh, some health issues now and could use some help. Um, so the Hero, Hero Initiative is a great charity effort that to... Uh, uh, raise funds for those folks uh, to help meet their uh, medical bills. Uh, so what Comicsology did was they had this uh, basically art jam um, at the uh, I think it's Hilton, um, and there's this giant canvas like eight foot by seven foot. All these creators were, were showing up drawing. I mean, there was like two, three hundred people that showed up uh, to for the event. Um, I couldn't even tell you how many creators. I'd probably guess a hundred, hundred, you know, hundred something uh, worth. And they just basically drew. So it was everything from famous creations. You know, Shannon Wheeler did too much Coffee Man. Um, some folks did some stuff that you'd recognize, like uh, there was a Millennium Falcon put up there, and then someone else drew a dragon chasing the Millennium Falcon. Really, really cool. Um, an awesome effort. Um, something that you, I wish we saw more and more of at conventions. Um, you know, it's uh, it was a great charity thing. It, it brought people together. Creators, fans could go and just watch it, and then it's for this great cause. Um, and they're going to be auctioning off at some point to raise money for a Hero Initiative. So, um, you know, check out graphicpolicy.com when that happens, or uh, follow us on Twitter at graphicpolicy. And of course, we'll be uh, tweeting that up, uh, trying to raise as much money as possible because it's great. It's a great uh, charity and um, you know, it's a, it's a great cause. So it's fantastic to see people do. Uh, it's great to see uh, Comicsology participate in it. And, uh, you know, I wish we didn't need to do this sort of thing uh, for comic creators, but unfortunately this is the world that we live in. Um, and hopefully when Alana's back, we'll be able to uh, have a longer discussion about healthcare and the comic industry. Um, uh, she and I would be a rather interesting discussion because I know... I have uh, spent some time as a uh, consultant myself and had to get health care. So I have a rather uh, odd perspective on all of that. And I uh, want to hear from her because she comes from uh, a different perspective. So it would be, kind of, be a fun discussion down, um, down the road. 
so um other than that um uh, there was also some negative stuff I saw or I wouldn't say negative just really bizarre uh if you go to our YouTube channel, we actually have a video of this I'm going up the the main road of the gas lamp, and um there was this this crowd that was formed around a police car there was a dude face down on the back of the car and and I was thinking that maybe someone got arrested um so we were wondering, so you know, walking by, I was wondering what was going on. So, of course, me being the jackass thinking, I could get an awesome YouTube video of this dude getting jacked up by the cops. Uh, so I started filming it, and it was clear uh, within maybe a couple minutes that, in fact, this was an arrest, and the cops were doing some little uh, PR for the folks in the gas lamp area. And gas lamp uh, area, for folks who don't know, is kind of... Uh, center of San Diego, tons of bars, restaurants. It turns into this giant party during San Diego Comic-Con. People walking up and down the, the street, um, they kind of close off a good chunk of it. Uh, people in costumes, folks handing stuff out. Um, and you have this weird situation of the cops fake arresting people. So as we were walking by, there's this, you know a guy face down on the hood a girl on the back of the uh, cop car who's also being arrested, and then another girl being pushed into the back of the police car, uh, getting her head pushed down, stuff like that, and being put into the cop car uh, herself. Um, and I thought, okay, you know, the, the cops are doing uh, some public relations. People seem to be having fun. It's all good. And then uh, as took another, you know, probably five, ten steps. It was pointed out uh, to me from the peanut gallery who might be joining us uh, that uh, I should take a look and really pay attention to who was uh, surrounded by the cops. Uh, and I am a very white person. Um, I'm not quite translucent, but uh, I'm a slight shade off of a white to say the people around the cop car were whiter than me is not an understatement. Um, this was clearly white, middle to upper class people enjoying the idea of cops twisting arms, pushing people down with nightsticks, um, putting people in the back of um, the cop car. What you didn't see during this entire time was any minority whatsoever. Uh, it was clearly a bunch of people standing around a cop car enjoying themselves, thinking that this is entertaining, not realizing that there is millions of people out there, uh, tens of millions of people out there who deal with that sort of crap every single day, um, deservedly or undeservedly. Um, but to these folks, it was entertaining. Uh, and I kept on going, and I thought, you know, maybe it was just me being sensitive and that uh, maybe I, I should just kind of, like, move on and, and not think too much of it. So as we're coming back from dinner, we're talking hours later, the cop cars moved down a, a couple blocks. Um, and this time they've got, like, an old-time police, uh, police, uh, a paddy wagon. Yes, peanut gallery decided to step in and correct me. A paddy wagon, yeah. So the uh, people are being filmed and taking photos in the paddy wagon. There's more people being uh, shot on the cop car. Uh, you've got a uh, one cop showing off how a taser works. Um, it was pretty messed up. And at this point, it was like, all right, and walking by, thankfully, two other people who were walking by as well decided to point out the fact that, again, the crowd was whiter than white. Uh, we're ta we're talking like a sheet of paper white. That's that's kind of how I looked in general. So clearly it wasn't just me um, thinking that this was odd. That there was clearly other people who also thought this was a bit bizarre. So um, w would you like to pipe in on this one? I'll pipe in on this. All one. right. So uh, joining me is Caitlin, who uh, was with me at uh, San Diego. Uh, this was her first San Diego Comic Con. So we're going to find out about the convention from someone who's never been does deserve the hype. But first up, uh, we're talking about what, how white people find fake arrests entertaining. Yeah, since I was the one who pointed out the fact that everybody, it, originally, the first time we saw it, as we were walking away, I turned to Brett and was like, did you notice that everyone around the cop car that was 
participating in this and taking photos and, you know, enjoying the spectacle that was the fake arrest for fun photos thing um, all seem to be not only white, but, you know, generally, like, well-dressed enough to probably be easily considered middle class. I didn't see anybody there that, um, you know, you would immediately think of as or lower class. The kinds of people who would generally be harassed by cops kind of in their general life. Um, and I thought it was odd, really, just to say, because it's a little odd to cross a group of people taking photos of each other being manhandled by the cops. I mean, this was really, I mean, some of it really was manhandled. It was people having their spin up back behind them, somebody having like a leg lifted. And you could tell that it was it was being done at a speed at which it wasn't going to hurt anyone, but it was something that had it been done with any kind of force probably would have not been comfortable or good or fun or anything like that. And yet people were taking photos and they're like, oh, you know, do this, bend his arm, bend his arm, you know, kind of somebody wedged in the back of a cop car being like, you know, taking pictures like with their friends. And it was it was a strange situation because nobody seemed to have the realization that things like this and, um, you know, having the cops do that is a part of life for a good chunk of people. And it's not it's not something that I think I would have thought of as fun. Um it just struck me as very odd as we were walking past. It struck me odd that the cops would actively participate in that. Like the cops didn't seem to have any recognition that this was problematic or could be seen as problematic or reflective of things that they and I don't know the San Diego police. Like they they may not do this. They you know, they may be much better trained in being sensitive to other populations that aren't middle to upper class white people and I don't know. I don't know of incidences or lack thereof. What was interesting was also three white cops. And yes. Yes, it was. And then they also had a second car and the second car seemed to be like pimped out like a low rider. I thought that was the second no, that was the first was the second car that was it was on hydraulics. It had spinners. Um and I remember saying I was like, why would you get a cop car that looks like that that also struck me as very odd. So it could be the San Diego cops have a much better relationship with minority populations than others, and so it didn't strike them as odd. I don't know. I've this is actually my first time in San Diego that weekend. Own thing about any of it, um, and other people may know better than I do as to whether this should have been something that they maybe should have been more sensitive about. So if folks are in San Diego and know whether or not the cops regularly harass people, we'd love to hear from you. It's 619-768-2952. We both thought this was rather odd. Um, I mean, clearly, I think it's more strange that people find this entertaining. Um, For all the stuff that was going on, even that area, while not as crazy as years past, there's still a hell of a lot going on. Um, So to see that folks were... Being entertained through this way seemed to be a waste overall. It, it seemed to be a really messed up. Yeah, up out and kind of having fun. Like it was one of those, like oh, if they had just shown off like the old paddy wagon or shown off the hydraulic cars and were just there and present. I don't think I would have thought anything about it. I would have been like, oh, you know, good. They're out here making sure that things don't get disorderly. And, you know, everybody has a good time and it's all safe. Um, And, you know, oh, they're showing off these fun things that they have. It was the photo opportunity. Yeah, I agree with Brett on that. It was the photo opportunity part of it that was just really odd and a little bit disconcerting. There's something that was very tone deaf about it. I'll go with that. So clearly white people like to have fun by faking arrests. I think that's the lesson that we learned by going through this. Uh, so, so continuing on the San Diego Comic-Con, um, 
So I, I, I dragged Kaylin out uh, to see what she would think. Um, so here's the opportunity for someone who has never been. This has been my like third or fourth year going, and I, I'll say as my whatever number of years it is, it was slightly. Um, it wasn't quite as exciting as years past. I don't think the announcements were quite there. Definitely the uh, uh, there's some excitement buzz missing. Um, so let's let's get her opinion though. <laughs> my opinion on this. Uh, this could be interesting. So, Brad and I have discussed this a little bit, and I'm still trying to fully decide how I feel about all of this because it was my first. It was my first San Diego Comic Con. I was at New York last year, so it's not my first con. It's not my first big con, I would say. Really, New York's about the same size. Um, well, I had some idea of, so I was a little more prepared for the floor. Um, because the crowds could probably get to somebody who's not used to that or navigating something of that size too. Uh, I feel like, and this this was the opinion I sort of expressed afterwards, was I feel like San Diego has kind of created its own bubble when. And so just going between the two locations to go see panels or to see the things at different places. And then, of course, you're out after the convention's over and you're walking back late, like between those two locations, you see a lot of people waiting in line for Hall H and um and other panels and the overnight the the line for Hall H there's actually some people outside sleeping and well, I don't know how much sleep happens out there, but at least people sitting out overnight hanging out. And there did seem to be a good sense of camaraderie out there for the most part. Like you could see a lot of people like chatting with each other and um some people showed up in some really fun costumes, like we saw the Optimus. yeah, the glow in the dark Optimus the was light up Optimus was awesome. That was really great, um, and you could see people get really excited about the ones that did show up and things like this. Um, but my feeling about it was like I would see this line for Hall H, and it was sort of one of those bubble things where it was like all these people are in line for Hall H, and I didn't feel like a lot of them were in line for Hall H for what was going to happen in Hall H, but more for like the ability to say, hey, I was in Hall H on Saturday, um, <laughs> which sort of seems to create its own loop that um, it's like the convention is big and important and, you know, all these people show up for the sheer fact that it's big and important and all these people show up. And it's like you have all these people waiting out here because they don't want to miss out on something that might possibly happen. They want to be there because they feel like it's Hall H and it's big and they should be there. Because I I never stood in line for anything, really. I mean, okay, I stood in line for the bathrooms <laughs> because you have to. But didn't stand in line for the BBC booth or the Once Upon a Time booth, or the Ender's Game thing, or Hall H, or Ballroom 20. Uh, when I did go see some panels, I was I went to some over in the Indigo Ballroom in the Hilton, and there actually was no line, which shocked me a little bit. I was prepared to, to wait for the panel to be over, or the, yeah, for the panel to be over, because it was the next one that I wanted to see. But I could actually walk right in. And so I still had a great time. I still had a lot of fun. I still got to see several things that I wanted to see and um, had a great experience at the con without actually being in line for anything. There were a few panels I wanted to see and just didn't have time to make it around. And some of the bigger things would have been nice to see, but I wasn't going to go wait in a four or five hour line or like the Hall H stuff in a line that I would have had to get in the night before. 
And that's a lot of what the hype seemed to be about Comic-Con, is people talking about it both beforehand and afterwards, creating this own hype feedback loop of you should be here because this is big, and this is big because it feels like they're going to miss out and do this. And I don't actually feel... I feel like the con has a lot of other stuff going on. There's plenty of things that people are interested in that don't involve these massive time, dedication, events that happen. And so it's kind of created its own loop. There were a lot of people out there who weren't waiting in lines who were having tons of fun with friends and checking out other people's costumes. There were some really great ones, some really well done ones. And so they were they were just enjoying themselves and just wandering and sort of seeing the celebration of everything that is geek. So, um, a lot has been written, and I know you might read some of the blogs about this. So there was a, a women who kick ass panel yeah. that happened. Um, and this would be actually really interesting to get your opinion on it because we've actually had some discussions on this. So to, to sum it up, for people, that's women that kick ass panel. It was in Hall H. It was between uh, a couple of big presentations. I know the thought process that may Um, so what they did was, uh, I had this panel with, like, Joe Rodriguez, uh, I think Tatiana, something like that. The girl from, uh, Orphan Black, who definitely kicks ass. She was on so much this week, uh, that weekend. She was on so many panels. Like, Katie Sackhoff, I think was one of them. There was, like, five or six. Yeah, 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 uh, from Walking Dead. On this, basically, who who play tough, kick-ass characters? So the panel was about this. Michelle Rodriguez was very outspoken about it. Um, had great comments, um, but you know, as you can imagine, with people are in Hall H who want to see premieres, uh, who want to see trailers, who want to see you know X Men and Sp- uh, Spider Man was the day before, but uh, uh, I'm trying. Else uh, yeah, Batman, Superman, Marvel stuff, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, sitting through that panel is probably not high on their priority or something they want to do. The way they're looking at it is it's interrupting their, uh, the stuff they really want to see. So, of course, Jackass has started a heckle. Um, so this is like the big story that I think that kind of came out of San Diego, unfortunately, was how a couple of dicks who decided to start yelling during this panel – um and started calling it instead of women who kick ass, women who talk too much. The panel did run over time, which was always an issue with Hall H. Uh, so unfortunately, a bunch of websites, some pretty high-profile ones, picked up on this, and this became a thing. And I think uh, I personally would say it cast an unfair um, negative light on the entire entirety of San Diego, stuff that I read. Um, when, and we had a discussion about this earlier, generally it's a fairly positive event. So uh, I'm sure you had read some blogs that had stuff about this, so I'd be very fascinated to see what you have to say. <laughs> so I've actually only read one, and And knew of the panel, and I knew since it was in Hall H in like the middle of the afternoon before all these big announcements, it was not going to be something that I got into. So I didn't even attempt, and I, I didn't hear anything about it until fairly recently. Um, so I read this blog post, and I figured, like, it's sort of sad to say, but I feel like I assumed having seen the cast and what was up or seeing the panelists and seeing what was up there i assumed there was going to be um and 
not nice comments and, and things like this because a lot of the people who are the Hall H type are also the kind of people who are really uncomfortable about or uncomfortable with they are kind of people have a problem stuff that isn't theirs and that they can relate directly to and that they aren't absolutely directly interested in. So I sadly expected to hear, you know, about some about some stuff. Um, I guess I sort of assumed that we heard a lot of um, mumbling amongst themselves, like, you know, making, cracking stupid little jokes with their friends next to them and things like this. So, um, which it probably was, but it was probably widespread enough. Yeah, so my, so the, what I read was the account, I, so I, I heard, read Grantland. Grantland was like the main one, and then Think Progress, uh, Listen Rosenberg, um, kind of jumped off of Grantland. Um, so the, the account that I got was there was a lot of mumbling and people making comments kind of within their group, uh, which is one thing, um, you know, making smart-ass comments here and there. I mean, people make comments about all the other trailers, whatever. Um, and then towards the end, as it was running over time, people got much louder uh, and were yelling things that you could hear across the thing. And then especially at the end when the after every panel the the, you know, the panels get up there and there's photo ops uh the whatever six women got into their line to do the photo op and there was like they said women who kick ass and someone yelled at women who talk too much um so that's the account that i got neither you or i there so we got to go off of what everyone else was um maybe it was overblown maybe it was underblown like we don't know so just going off of that that's kind of the account um so we are on the same page as to what happened. Yeah. Uh, so to give credit where credit's due, the only blog post I have read about this so far is uh, Kate Conway at XO Jane. She has a, a blog post up on this. Um, like I said, I want to give proper credit about who I've whose account I've read of this because I have, I've only read one. I hadn't read Grantland's or Think Progress's uh, postings about this. So. Um, I, like it's sort of sad to say, but it doesn't actually surprise me, which is really kind of depressing, because there from also from what I understand from the account I've read, there was some really good stuff discussed. Like the moderator was actually so there was the standard questions, blah blah blah, and then the moderator actually asked a question, and this is probably where everybody in the room got a little uncomfortable because the moderator apparently from from what I understand from the posting I read I'm going to make a prediction it's Michelle Rodriguez's quote is what you're going to say yes or no which quote uh it was like male something men men sexism or male keep on okay trying to find the quote okay so you find the quote I'm going to talk about apparently the moderator asked the question about what is the most egregious example of sexism you've seen on set? Yep, I think that was part of it, yeah. So the women who were on the panel then started telling their stories. And I could I mean I could see it starting starting innocently enough, uh, with you know, some guy said girls can't do this, blah blah blah. And then um Tatiana Maslany, according, like I said, according, I wasn't there, but according to the account I've read, Tatiana Maslany answered that a crew member started hitting on her when she was tied to a bed for a scene, which is kind of weird. Um, and you could, I, I feel like that's probably the point where the audience started getting a little uncomfortable with it because it's not, it's not a comfortable thing to talk about. It's not a comfortable thing to realize that this stuff happens and it happens regularly. And every woman on this panel had more than one story about something that happened to her and not just to anybody else on the set, but just to her, they had multiple stories. 
and to be confronted with that um and for people who aren't comfortable with a lot of that to be confronted directly with that can be it can be unnerving and 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 I've you know I, and I can understand that but it's also one of those things that it's sad that the immediate reaction on the part of those people is to get really defensive and to sort of be hurt like oh well like it's it's your problem it's not my problem it's like nothing i can deal with and so i'm just going to push it back on you and make it seem like you're the problem and you're the one who's got this issue by you know making comments about what's going on and things like this and it's just it's i mean it's just really it's just really sad that the that the only reaction these people have and no i'm i'm going to call it the only reaction these likely white privileged little fanboys have is to get upset and to be to act like it's the problem of these women and not like the problem of the guys who are saying or doing the things that shouldn't be happening and to react with this whole thing of you know, well, you talk too much, and it's your problem, and it's this thing going on, and and I, you know, I see it. I've I've seen it happen. I've, I mean, I've seen it happen. I've heard stories. I've I've had some things, you know, happen in my life. Definitely not to the same degree that these women have had. Um, but. You know, like I've I've had a I'm I'm a geek girl. It's not really surprising that I've come up against a wall of, you know, dudes who feel like I've somehow invaded their culture and I shouldn't be there. Um, and I it's just like I'm at the point and I'm old enough and I've seen it enough that I think it's more pathetic than anything else. But. Yeah, so that's sort of my whole reaction to it. Is like I look at it and I'm like, it's not shocking to me. It's really freaking pathetic, and I'm a little upset that. I mean, I don't know what anybody could have done in reaction to that, but oh, the the, the reaction is uh, perfect. Um, is easy on that one is just call the person out. Yeah, it, it's the I mean, who who was gonna who was gonna call him out? Was it gonna be a panelist or was it gonna be a Comic Con person? I'm going with both. Both would have been the best possible world. I just don't know. Like I'm also a re- like yes, I'm a feminist, but I'm also a realist. Like both would have been amazing and awesome. Both isn't gonna happen in this world. Well, so here's the here's the way I equate it: is uh, comedians get heckled all the time. So what's, and and comedians immediately take the heckler and put him out and call the heckler out and and tear him apart. Why don't panelists do that? I mean that's that's sort of a good question. Uh, comedians also part of their job. I mean not only is it part of their job, but I think they train themselves to deal with that. They they know they're going to get hecklers. They understand they're going to get hecklers, and so they view that as something that they should do that it's part of their job to deal with and that they're going to have a, a way in which to deal with it. If you're a panelist and you're getting up there just to speak about the work that you've done, are you really going to be prepared to confront somebody who's like, you're a bitch, you talk too much? Uh, generally, no, because I think you never know what they're going to say. I have seen it happen once. <laughs> it's someone that you and I both know uh, was on a panel it was either last year or the year before um, and the way this panel began, it was like a recap of the year. So it's stuff we all saw before, and before you know they got to the new stuff, they were recapping what has come, and someone was getting up and leaving, and the person was like, dude, why are you leaving? And the guy was just like, well, this is just a PR thing. You know, I, I came here for like new revealing stuff, and, and this person that we know was like, oh, come on, like, and just went right back and forth. We're talking five, ten minutes of really awkwardness, but kind of awesome because he actually took the heckler uh, and put him in his in his place. So it was it was kind of fantastic. So I out of all the panels I've seen, which is 
few dozen over the years. I've only ever seen one person take down a heckler. So it, it is possible, but rare. Very, very rare. It is really rare. And in a situation like this, it's probably a lot more difficult because what's being confronted isn't necessarily a heckler. What's being confronted is an, is just one more example of the sexism and the culture, the pervasive culture that exists, especially, like, I'll say it, especially in a lot of geek guys and a lot of fanboys. There's this culture and this idea that that women aren't as much a part of it as they are. Like, it's a sort of secondary, co-opted kind of thing, and... Yeah, it's 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 very it's a very strange feeling to be to be on like the female side of this and see it because I just I don't I don't understand the, like the defensiveness I guess is really what I don't get about it like I don't have a problem you know like if I were there like I didn't have a problem sitting through another panel that I wasn't interested in waiting for the panel that I was interested in. I I wasn't going to jeer anybody. I wasn't going to say anything if they ran over time. So they ran over time. Like, that's not that's not my thing to deal with. That's Comic-Con's thing to deal with. Like, I'm not going to... I'm not going to be the douche up there who's going to yell crap at people because it's not something I want to see. I'm going to be respectful of these other people and what they do because I want other people to be respectful of the things I enjoy and the things I love. And I... I guess there's I mean there has to be there has to be something really kind of wrong with people who are that upset by an aspect of geek culture that they don't get who feel like it's a personal attack on them that these women are talking about the roles that they do and how they wish it was a little bit different or like they had more options or that you know better or more roles were written like it's not it's not destroying your culture. It's not hurting anything. Like, be respectful. Like, so you come to see other stuff. Like, you just had a bunch of people who look exactly like you, a bunch of people who look exactly like you, get up there and talk for the last six hours. You can handle having six panelists who, you know, may not look like you, but have some cool things to say and do some really cool work, get up there and talk for an hour and... 10 minutes instead of an hour or however long they ran over. And, you know, and you can suck it up and deal. <laughs> I would bring up the, even the point of uh, the fact of the heckling is proof that panels like that is needed. Yes. Yes. And I also kind of find it fascinating that uh, I think most people can agree that uh, Michonne is one of the baddest ass characters in all of television history not just Walking Dead, and it seems guys, girls, everyone loves her, yet folks would heckle, heckle that panel, which I don't quite get. Yeah, I don't I don't understand why why on earth you would heckle that panel. I mean, this is... I mean, this, this is an amazing group. So, it looks like it was Katie Sackhoff, who, as a Battlestar Galactica fan, I adore her portrayal of Starbuck. I mean, I just think it was a really fabulous way to twist that and to really do a lot with that character. I love it. Uh, Maggie Q, Tatiana Maslany, Denai Guerrera, and Michelle Rodriguez. I mean, these are people who have played some absolutely amazing characters. Forget women. Amazing characters. Like, they have done some really great work. Period. And so... To get up, and I mean, you're right, to the fact that there was heckling of that group of people who have done that work really does show how much it's needed. I'm, I I think Maggie Q was saying, you know, something during part of it, how she was always expected to know how to do kung fu and heels because she was Asian. And I mean, really, that's also kind of ridiculous in and of itself, too. It just, it doesn't really... Yeah, I mean, it It really does show how it's needed that someone can get up, that someone can feel so upset by these people talking about the work that they've done. Some really great, amazing work that 
doesn't happen all that often and probably should happen more. And to be like, well, it needs to happen less because I don't like it or I don't like what's happening here or I'm not interested, so go away. But that's not, and it's so contrary to what I saw in so much of the other parts of the con, which was really like, oh, you know, really cool. So you're into this thing and you have this great costume and I'm not into it, but that's really cool. Or to walk past the panel and be like, oh, well, there's, or to walk past the booth, I mean, and to see, like, I'm I'm not a comics reader. I'm, I'm into a lot of other stuff and a lot of sci-fi and a lot of geekdom, but comics, those are not my thing. But I can still walk past the booth and see art on, you know, on covers and things like that and walk past and be like, that is some really great work. Like, it's not my thing. I'm not into it. But I can certainly stop and look and admire it for what it is. And that was really, really prevalent on the floor, in other panels, you know, people walking around and interacting with each other. And so to have that moment in such a prominent place as Hall H be so contrary to everything else that was happening is just, I think that's what makes it extra disappointing to so many people. Yeah, I mean, so would you agree with me generally, and I'll just throw it like 90% of it is positive? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see I didn't see any bad interactions on the floor. I was on the floor a lot. I mean, I only sat in on like two and a half panels. So I was wandering the floor and the convention center and between the two places quite a bit, and I never saw – I mean, I heard of some stuff, but I never saw – personally anything that I would consider less than positive. But one of the biggest stories to come out was this heckling from Hall H. And I think I think one of the biggest like I think that's why it's one of the biggest stories is because so much else was good and this was such a destructive thing right in the middle of so much that was good. It's like I mean it's like you're at a party and blah 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 and all of a sudden someone shit in the turt in the punch bowl. <laughs> I have never done that. <laughs> For the record. <laughs> that she knows about. Thanks. Thanks. Seriously, I've never done that. But that's, I mean, that's the equivalent of it. You have this great and wonderful thing that's happening, and, you know, people are having great interactions with each other, and all this good stuff is happening. And as a geek girl, I would have loved to have been at this panel. I would have loved to see it. Um, my understanding from, from what I've read is that it was a really great celebration of what is good about women in this industry and how it can and it's just a good discussion of how it can be better and you know what women themselves can do to to push and and make things better and so there was so much good that was happening and you have this handful of people and granted the ones who there were probably more who thought it you just have a handful who actually acted on it. But to have, you know, a group of people go in and, you know, just lay one in the middle of the giant party, is just, I think that's why it's become such a big story, is because it's this really not cool, awful thing that's representative of a lot of the stuff that has been a problem for a long time. And it's finally reached the point where most people are going, this is a problem. And there's a full recognition now from most of geek culture that this is a problem. And this kind of crap is representative of the problem. And we really need to work on this. And it's not just women saying it now, but it's men and male allies and, and male feminists in the geek community saying this is a problem and this stuff needs to be stopped and we need to talk to each other as men and be like this is not cool because it's not cool and there's a lot more recognition of how crappy and awful and pointless it all is and that's a good take of it all I think So cool. Uh, that was Kaylin, and we appreciate her stepping in on this rather uh, 
odd uh, episode. At least it's not me ranting for an hour trying to be Rush Limbaugh. Um, so, yeah. Oh, she just gave me a nasty look on that one. I failed the one episode I tried doing that. Um, so, yeah. So, that was generally the Hall, the hall H. If you really want a great um, a great description about the phenomenon that is Hall H, um, as the as the writer calls it, worshiping it in the ultimate movie church. Um, check out Grantland. It's an article by Todd Van Der Werf, and I apologize, Todd, if I butchered your last name. Uh, it's Grantland Hollywood Prospectus. He kind of goes through the whole thing of waiting in line, um, going into the hall, all the different panels that were going on, cloud, uh, crowd reaction. Um, it's actually a really, really solid article. I think that that kind of covers it well, and you get a really good sense as to the bubble and disconnect from reality that is that uh, aspect of San Diego Comic-Con. Um, and I think the, the last thing on the whole San Diego Comic-Con is that whole comic parts. Um, out of all the stuff that was going on, um, the comic announcements, while there were some interesting ones, were generally underwhelming. Um, I, I think the best example is, uh, I forgot which site was, has their top six announcements or surprises of uh, Comic-Con that has to deal with comics, and one of them was Firebird being part of uh, Amazing X-Men when that comes out in a few months, of the fact that a character who, yeah, hasn't really generally been in the X community is now being used in that comic book is that big of news. Um, I think that kind of says something how generally underwhelming the announcements were when it came to the comics part of Comic-Con. And I think that will probably be the last of that subject. Um, in other news, um, this weekend saw two debuts when it comes to, uh, Geekdom. You know, the Wolverine debut on, I guess, Thursday, you could technically call it. Um, it had a disappointing number one opening, as I'm calling it. Um, generally, it did not meet perspectives. Uh, I saw the movie and generally was underwhelmed, though it's not a horrible movie. It doesn't make it a good movie either. Um, it did top the box office, um, but debuted with only $55 million. The original craptacular X-Men Origins Wolverine, uh, which came out in 2009, made 85.1. That did not have a 3D release. It did not open on that Thursday. So overall, the movie kind of tanked and has not done well. Uh, it did do decent at overseas, uh, bringing in $86.1 million, um, and is yet to debut in China and Japan, which it should probably kick ass. Um, with as well, um, original production projections had it about $65 million. So it did not meet its projections and generally had some folks buzzing um, on our site, graphicpolicy.com. We had a person commenting um, about the fail recent failures of comic book movies, RIPD, tanked with horrible reviews and a missing audience, and that has only earned $24.3 million, about $36, $37 million total in its first 10 days, which is horrible for a movie that has a budget of $130 million. Um, this coming week is the opening of Two Guns for in Boom Studios. Should probably fare, fare pretty well. Uh, I don't think expectations are high, but Disney Washington Mark Wahlberg are starring. I had a feeling crowds would probably dig that and be willing to check it out. Um, also, this week was the debut of Axe Cop, uh, which premiered on Fox's ADHD, their um, animation domination high def, which is going on Saturdays from 11 to 11.30. Fox is trying to be Cartoon Network with 15-minute shows. So Axcop, which is uh, based off of, uh, I'm guessing it's Malachi and Nic Nicole. I'm sorry, I'm just butchering last names here, names period. And Ethan, uh, his, old, his older brother, uh, Malachi, was like five or six when he started creating this, this comic book. Uh, that debuted actually pretty well. Uh, the webcomic, uh, also being uh, published by Dark Horse, um, had 1.5 million viewers, which is very similar to Cartoon Network, um, and up from the previous week, repeat of Hell's Kitchen, which only had a million viewers. So that's a great start from uh, for uh, what's being dubbed ADHD and Axe Cop in general. Um, the general plan is to build these uh, uh, comics have them do pretty, or these uh, animation shows, cartoons, have them do pretty well and probably move them to different time slots like Sundays uh, to replace some aging shows or go from there. So uh, the fact that they're doing well, 
good, good sign. Um, hopefully we'll see some cooler stuff. But check it out, Saturdays, 11 o'clock, uh, X-Cop. Uh, great show, uh, great comic, fun animated show. Um, and, yeah, so I, I think we're going to wrap it up fairly early. Um, you know, always this Wednesday, go support your comic book shop or digital comics if you go get it. There's some some great comics coming out, like The Wake uh, by Vertigo, 39 Minutes, which is by Top Cow, Conan, Hour, or King Conan, Hour of the Dragon by Dark Horse, which is an awesome series. Uh, if you love Conan, and I'm slowly becoming a Conan fan, it's definitely worth it. Uh, FF number 10 comes out. We've been talking up that series for quite a while. Guardians of the Galaxy number 5, big one, Angela's debut, or not really debut, but... Uh, uh, first full story, uh, Garth Brian Michael Bendis writing. Neil Gaiman is kind of advising it. I expect that one to sell out. I guarantee it's going to go to multiple printings. Um, other than that, we got we got some good comics. Adventure Time, Summer Special, um, by Boom. You've got some uh, great indie ones. Double Jumpers, Eam Theory, uh, Ghost Town, Skyward, all by Action Lab, a company that we like to support. Lenore is coming out by... Uh, Titan Comics, Liberator by Black Mask, Wasteland number 46 is by Oni. All these absolutely check out. Give a shot to some uh, to, uh, indie comics um, since it's a fairly light week, uh, since I think it's a fifth week, um, which tend to also be a fairly, uh, uh, I don't want to say unimpressive release schedule, but generally doesn't have the high-profile stuff you see in other weeks. So uh, we're going to wrap up, I think, that's the latest episode of Graphic Policy Radio, and I want to thank our peanut gallery, a.k.a. guest, Kalen, for hopping in and saving my ass uh, with a great discussion about San Diego Comic-Con, women in uh, geekdom in general. Uh, you can catch us every day at graphicpolicy.com. We're on Facebook at Graphic Policy, Twitter on Graphic Policy, YouTube at Graphic Policy. I think we're on Pinterest at Graphic Policy, though I don't really use Pinterest a hell of a lot, uh, though I probably should. Um... Yeah, if it's graphic policy, we're probably there on the internets and the inner tubes. So you can check us out every day, get our reviews, get some news, get our picks, stuff like that. Every day we've got original content coming up with some great features. Today we had a post of uh, on about Facebook demographics, who the fans are of comic book blogs. Not shocker, excuse heavily mail. Every Monday we do that one. Uh, Tuesdays are picks of the week. The team gets together and we just tell you what's going to be the hot comics for the week. Uh, you're going to have to check out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because we're kind of making that shit up as we go. Um, and we're going to have some regular features for once with a nice team. Um, I'm going to do shout-outs because I haven't done it in a while. Uh, we've got some new contributors, Sean, Scott, and Andrew. Thank you for coming on board. You guys are doing an awesome, uh, awesome job doing some kick-ass reviews. Sean's doing some awesome stuff. Uh, Andrew and Scott love the reviews. You guys are, are picking up slack of what I'm not doing and, and giving some love to comics I probably wanted of. So fantastic to see. Um, and Alana, hopefully you're feeling better. And we'll catch you next week for probably, I'm sure, a very interesting discussion. So wrapping up close to the 11 o'clock hour, I'm Brett, your host, Graphic Policy Radio. Catch us every day at graphicpolicy.com. Have fun. Have a geeky week.